Welcome to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. Well, we've got a really exciting gentleman joining us today, all the way from Scotland. His name is Bill Donald, and he is the general manager of Loch Lomond. If you don't know Loch Lomond, it's basically the Augusta of Scotland. It's an extremely exclusive private club where 40% of their members come from other parts of the world and fly in on their private jets. They're picked up in a Range Rover and brought to the club, and it's that sort of place. Now, the interesting thing is that Loch Lomond wasn't always that successful. In fact, about eight years ago, the club was in pretty dire trouble. And that is when Bill came in and really turned things around. And so on this episode, we're going to discuss what that turnaround was like, what it's like running a club so exclusive where you have members coming in from all over the world, and some leadership lessons from a man who really has done it right. I think you're going to enjoy this interview that's coming up in just a few minutes. Now, before we bring Bill on, I would just want to remind you about some of the fine folks who make this show possible. If it wasn't for them, likely this show would not be coming to you each and every week. First off, Peter Nanula and Concert Golf Partners, who are injecting fresh capital into private clubs all over the United States. If you know of a club that is in need of a renovation, and they don't have the money, or they're about to assess the members, and the members are leaving. That is the perfect club out there to speak with Peter and his team to see if they can help. They've also got a great new video out that you should watch, and you can view that at ConcertGolfPartners.com. One of our newest show partners, Justin Baer and Member Text, help clubs communicate better with their members and with their staff. For as little as $99 a month, Member Text will help you transform your club communications. Check them out at membertext.net. Lastly, I'd like to give a big shout out to the National Club Association, Cindy Viza, Henry Walmeyer, Joe Trauger, and the rest of the team who do a fantastic job serving this industry, going to bat in Washington, D.C. for the private club industry. In addition, they put out some fine publications and do some amazing educations, including their national conference each year. So check them out at nationalclub.org. But if it wasn't for those folks, this show would not exist. And the reason I've chosen the partners I have is because I really feel like they are doing exceptional work in our industry and they are people of character and of integrity. And lots of people have come to this show to try to sponsor the show over the years that I've said no to. And the reason I have the people that we do have on is because I know that they've got your best interests in mind. So if you love this show and love listening every week and you want to help this show, help me by helping our partners. Even if you can't do business with them directly, you could recommend friends and colleagues and other clubs that can. And if you could do that favor for me, I would be so appreciative of that. And one other thing that I would really, really, really appreciate, and this is the last announcement, I promise. As you know, my new show, Let's Play Through, is going to be launching on September 18th. The first episode is going to feature Hammock Beach, which is a lovely property over on the east coast of Florida. And luckily, they were spared in Hurricane Dorian. They, they, they managed to stay out of the real path of that hurricane. And for that, I'm very, very thankful. But like I said, the first episode launches on September 18th. It's a Wednesday. And I would be 
thrilled if you could just share that link when it goes out. If you see it on social media, if you're on my email list, if you could just share that with your network of folks, any golfers out there, especially members of your club that are interested in golf and golf travel, I would be honored if you would send that link out and have people watch. I promise you that the show will be entertaining. (laughs) There is a lot of effort that's gone into this particular production. I've got a crew of five individuals, really amazing folks who are working hard to make this show entertaining and educational for you and for your members. So on September 18th, when the show releases, please do send the link out to friends and family and members and other folks that you know that are golfers so they can get a kick out of it too. That would mean a lot to me. Thank you. Now, without further ado, we are going to bring on our featured guest of the day. Hope you enjoy. My next guest is Bill Donald, general manager at Loch Lomond, members golf club, the most exclusive club in Scotland. And he was previously director of golf sales and marketing at the K Club, one of Europe's top golf resorts and host to 13 European Opens and a Ryder Cup. Bill, welcome. Thanks, Gabe. Nice to see you. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. I, I see you've got a marketing background yourself, and that's not mm. the quote-unquote you know, classic way, the classic track into management. So how did that come about? Tell us your story, Bill. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, my family have a background in hospitality. They owned hotels. I'm from Northern Ireland originally, and they had hotels in Northern Ireland. So in the blood was the hospitality. Um, they were keen for me to sort of follow a different career path and uh, uh, I was lucky enough when I went to university in England to actually fall into some somewhere called First Leisure Cooperation uh, and that was Lord Delfont who was the head of light entertainment BBC uh, and it was his company and uh, they, they provided fantastic training whole variety of leisure and sport backgrounds and after three years I sort of got up to uh, uh, where I wanted to go to, so I was a centre manager, uh, and I took a career change. Uh, I wanted to study more, so um, and uh, I wanted to go a different career route, so I went into teacher training and uh, studied an MA in marketing management. Uh, it all worked. I was at the University of Westminster in London, uh, and I lectured a bit for the university, mainly for colleges. Uh, and uh, then I fell into uh, working for the Chartered Institute of Marketing, uh, lecturing on the advanced course and intermediate and certificates with so three levels. So all of a sudden, I got surrounded by marketing. Uh, it was the 90s, and marketing was still relatively fresh and trying to be understood. Um, and I guess there's, there's one particular author that I can remember called Faith Popcorn, uh, who's from America, and she had written a book on how people were going to move into gated communities and, you know, car sharing is going to be something that wouldn't happen as much as it should do because people want their own space and they want their own security. And I remember being, you know, pretty pretty impressed that she seemed to be ahead of the game because I guess more and more of that sort of thing is is happening. So it was a it was an interesting idea, uh, interesting time for marketing, and I fell into it. Wow! <laughs> yeah. Did you fall in love with it? What, what, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I did. I did. I did a dissertation on, on the customer loyalty, and uh, uh, you know there was just something vibrant about it. It was yeah. changing, ever changing. Loyalty cards had just been produced, and I, I guess it was a freshness. Whereas your other classic. 
finance, HR, in a much more sort of steady platform. I guess you've got rules and regulations, if you like. Uh, and uh, marketing was an open book, I yeah, felt. Sure. And how did you make that transition from the marketing side into the golf world? Yeah, well, you know, um, there I was lecturing away in, in London uh, and I got a phone call out of the blue and uh, Price Waterhouse, as they were then, it became Price Waterhouse Coopers, interviewed me uh, at East Midlands Airport, of all places, uh, with a job of a golf general manager back in Ireland. I waited up. My parents said, no way, you're not coming back. They were getting elderly. Uh, not that they disliked me or anything like that. It's just that they really loved the idea of me teaching. They they thought it was a noble career. Um, but something told me to take the job. You know, they sold it to me. I knew the club well. Uh, we had connections at the club as well. And, uh, you know, I was a young 30-year-old uh, guy that uh, had a, a you know a leisure sports background because I was lecturing on leisure and hospitality management as well uh, as well as marketing and uh, I said you know I think the commercial world um, there's an opportunity here I'm going to take it so I took a risk uh, and uh, I went to a club called Clandy Boy Golf Club uh, which is just outside Belfast to golf uh, courses and 1500 members and it was a great grinding really good grinding for what unfolded after that yeah so what were some of those early lessons that you learned in the business then well i remember uh i remember the first agm uh that uh, that i attended and the question was asked what did pricewaterhouse uh pay what what were you know what what, what was their fee to find me Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh Christ, you know, I, I don't even know that. Uh, <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a question. And uh, uh, it was a guy called Jimmy McElveen, uh, who's no longer with us, but he was a character and he knew my father. Uh, and the answer was £9,000. <laughs> uh, and there was an audible gasp from the assembled members and Jimmy came back with sure I could have asked his father for free <laughs> now that taught me <laughs> that you're going into uh, a sort of a bear pit mm-hmm. um, of uh, ideas and opinions uh, hardened you know business people successful business people others that maybe businesses hadn't worked out or life hadn't worked out or life had worked out and that certain life experiences and that proved to be the case and you need to be really on the ball to be able to deal with a myriad of uh, all those uh, different sections of community within life it's captured within a club yeah you know, and and another example i can give you gabe is uh, you know there was a chap who was complaining he complained a lot uh, he had a very short temper uh, and you know um Again, I, I'd known him from the past, but I didn't know too much about him. And I thought, Christ, you know, this guy's, uh, you know, it's impossible to please. And uh, I, I sort of was mildly amusing. He used to come up and have a buggy attached to the back of his car on a trailer. And there was a steep hill as you go up to Clandy Boy. And he forgot to, to attach the trailer. And the trailer went past him as he left the car park with his buggy and hurtled into the village uh, before he got into the village and hit the side of a bus uh, and you know we had good fun and I don't think uh, he found it particularly amusing <laughs> I ever 
His background was he was an RAF squadron pilot and he had uh, immense success in World War II uh, and uh, captured uh, in a number of books. And when I read about his background and I read about him, I realized that what a life he had had and maybe that had shaped him into, you know, uh, his later life, which he had a very short fuse over a number of issues. And this is the thing you've got to realize you're dealing with people and all sorts of things happened in their life and all sorts of things are happening in their life. And it's not maybe necessarily you uh, or the club. It's just, I guess, you know, uh, and uh, you've got to know that you've got yeah. to realize that you've got to be a people person. Yeah. Oh, certainly. That's definitely. Yeah. We're, we're, I always say we're not even in the golf business. We're in the people business. That's what it's all we about. We are in the people business. That's so, what it's a hospitality business. Yeah. And solving yeah. people's challenges. Um, yeah. So let's talk about your, your current position here at Loch Lomond. Sure. I mean, you guys went through some hard times and you came on yeah. eight years ago and now the club's really emerged stronger than ever. So how did you accomplish that, Bill? Yeah, well, it was, uh, you know, the, it was under bank uh, ownership. Uh, the previous uh, the previous owner, unfortunately, things hadn't worked out for him over in America, uh, and uh, the members bought the club. A successful bid, maybe against the odds, time bound, but they did it, uh, and uh, I was appointed uh, general manager and. Um, I, I look, I, I looked around the club. Uh, it's nice to reflect back. There's certainly the payroll percentage was, you know, very high, um, and there was a lack of activity at the club. Events was something that was uh, didn't really happen, um, and it was it was a ghost town. I can remember a number of days in April where there was nobody, there's no members or guests here. So we said, so we said, how are we going to make this work? Because everybody asked me about financials. Everybody asked me for the first three years. The only question was finance. Was the club going to work? We started with 350 members. It was 40,000. It had a good reputation, had a good name, but people were worried about the financial uh, impact of what had happened previously, even though it was more an owner, but people seemed to think that uh, the club was was not viable and within good reason, within good reason. Um, and uh, so we set an aggressive campaign um, and it was really fell into the marketing background that I had to put together brochures because the only people we could market to were the members. Uh, members are allowed to bring a group on a Monday and Tuesday to play golf. Um, and uh, quite quickly, we started to see some real traction. Uh, we had 43 rooms at that particular time, which is unusual for a private club of high end quality. We've now added another eight rooms to the club, a new lodge at 3.2 million. So that tells you how busy we've become. And it's the connection with the members. We connected with the members. So we presented Loch Lomond and members looked at how they could use Loch Lomond the way that they saw it. Mm -hmm. So whether it was their daughter getting married or whether it was a celebration of their mum's birthday uh, or whether it was a golf client day, we set out the stall and people started to cherry pick what was important to them. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, we turned it around from losing substantial amount of money. Uh, it's now uh, a million pound sort of epida, 
which is amazing. And our membership's full and it's 135,000 to join. So it's now 600 members. Um, and I guess the confidence was just breathed into the club. Now we're left with the situation about phase two mm-hmm. and how to improve what we offer. Um, and that is as much a challenge as the first phase. Sure. And uh, and that's where we have to ask ourselves critical questions, you know, on the team, uh, and uh, and try to provide the solutions. So you know, I think it's important to keep evolving. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. But congratulations on that turnaround. That's that's really special story. Now, for folks who here, you know, I have a lot of audience in in the United States, and maybe they're not familiar sure. with your club as as well. But I mean, you're extremely private i mean you're almost kind yeah. of like the augusta of scotland right would, would yeah. you describe it that way yeah um yeah yeah well that's how a lot of the press do sure you know, and I'm, <laughs> happy, I'm happy to take that yeah well uh you know you're in a country where you can play some of the best golf and it's it's open to the public so what's that like what's it what's it like being an extremely private club in a country where there's not so many of those yeah, that's interesting. You know, a few people have had a debate with me about this when I've been outside of the club and uh, giving their opinions, forthright opinions. But, you know, we live in uh, the West. We have a democracy uh, and 98% of clubs that are available are open to the public. Uh, so therefore, the choice, uh, we live in a, a, you know, freedom of choice. Uh, and I think it's good to have those choices uh, available. So golf doesn't suffer from uh, you know, we're a standalone and really there's nowhere else to go. Uh, it's we're just part of, you know, 300 plus odd clubs, um, you know, that are available in Scotland, uh, the country of Scotland. And, you know, we, we play our part in that golf community, but we are a bit different. Mm-hmm. So I think we sit uh, comfortably, we feel within the community, we open up to the odd junior program, um, which, you know, we, we try to help where we can within reason, but it is private and it is by invitation only by uh, by a member. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it works well because members do use the club and do bring a lot of people to the club. So, uh, yeah, uh, the, the good thing is there's a lot of activity. Uh, so it doesn't feel private, private, but the members drive that they drive the, 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 the train. So, yeah, I mean, it sits, I think, to answer your question, it sits comfortably uh, within the, the myriad of choices that are available. When I'm reading the online reviews about the club, a lot of people speak not, not even so much about the golf, which is exceptional, but they really talk about the service and how attentive your staff is. So what do you do yeah. dif- differently to train your folks? Yeah, oh, um, it's the experience. So people talk about the Loch Lomond experience, uh, and, and that's key. It's the person you recruit. It's not always easy, uh, and sometimes you want to take a risk and you want to take a gamble, and sometimes we do, but it's a type of person. Not everybody that we have employed has got Loch Lomond. Um, it, is a, it is a unique one-off place, uh, and we have had some very experienced people uh, with good backgrounds that have come to Loch Lomond, and they just haven't connected with the home from home uh, that we offer. So we offer this home from home experience, bespoke experience. If a member rings up and wants something within reason, but and usually it is within reason, we'll do it. So we uh, have to reflect what our members are looking for. And um, if it is one of those aforementioned events that uh, they're keen to, uh, to bring to the club, you know, we sit down and go through everything. 
And if they say, I'm sure you wouldn't allow, you know, us to bring our own boat and moor it by the club at the lock. Of course you can. You know, so we make things happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a system in place whereby we profile the members uh, and uh, we profile it's all family membership. And we profile the spouses as best we can as well. So we're communicating with the members and their spouses. Uh, and uh, I think that uh, it seems to work well. So we can be better in the profiling, but it does have a big impact on on the service. So if you're one foot ahead of the game, then, you know, you've got a good chance. And, for example, we have a chap in today who's a member who's brought um, he's brought some guests with him uh, and he's, he's gone overboard and he's, he's got a luxury uh, coach hired and they've all come in. They're really looking forward to it. Now, we know that when he arrives at the gate, the north gate, it's very important that the chap gets on and welcomes him personally in front of all his guests uh, which we'd like to do anyway, uh, but we know how important it is. Now, we've talked about that, uh, and uh, we've talked about it within our team, uh, and we talk about it at the events meeting that we have uh, you know, once a week, and we identify certain things. Um, obviously, we don't always get it right, but you're right. We seem to have a very, very good reputation for the Loch Lomond experience. So it sounds to me like anticipation is a big, big ingredient to success and knowing what's coming down the road. How do you, how do you disseminate that information to the team? Is it just one? Is it just meetings like stand up meetings? Do you have a particular piece of software you use to share member profiles and wants and needs? What do you do? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a software Jonas system, and uh, the profiles are on there, and uh, we share within what we're allowed to do sure. under data. Uh, we share that with the staff when we, you know, they're 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 basically logging in to to serve as food and beverage or on arrival. Uh, you know, the, the staff can look at the profile and and then move from there. Uh, so that that's where a lot of the anticipation comes. But we also share information verbally. When I taught, um, and I think members should maybe know this, but when I taught uh you know in colleges and universities go into the staff room and you know all the staff talk about students and and all that sort of stuff well you know uh, that happens and people disseminate information with a a very uh, vibrant staff uh we have a very loyal staff been here a long time as well but you know they'll share information and uh, you know we we encourage you know constructive uh, information to be shared, and they do. And uh, you know if it's to the housekeeping team, to the food and beverage team, to the concierge team, to the golf team, to the spa team. You know we make sure that uh, that we try and the, you know, ensure that those departments are are kept up to speed. And the staff do it themselves a lot of wow. the time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I know some I know some uh, courses have like a, a booklet or something for their staff to keep on hand to sort of know folks first names and see their picture there. And do you do anything like that where you have to memorize yeah. names and things like that? Yeah, yeah, we we carried out a quiz yeah. with HR. Now the staff used to hate it, uh, <laughs> and the HR would turn up with a with a, a eight photographs of of members, and the staff would have to try and guess who they were, mm-hmm. uh, and then we'd have an award for it. So things like that mm-hmm. help. Sure. Yeah. Now, are are you able to anticipate when when your members are coming to the club? Are they calling ahead, or some are people just showing up? You know, flying in from wherever around the world, just showing up at your doorstep. Yeah. 
Well, well, we've got 60% are UK members and 40% are worldwide uh, or overseas. So, uh, uh, you know, we, we have a, a large overseas membership. There's 34 different countries represented. Um, and, you know, people coming from overseas have to book rooms. So we know their movements. They want to be collected from our fleet mm-hmm. uh, of Range Rovers and executive coach from the airport. They feel as if that's where their journey starts. Mm-hmm. And then we're only 20 minutes from the airport, so we're half an hour from the airport, so that's not so bad. Um, and uh, we, we, yes, people need to let us know they're coming in advance, and that helps. Um, however, we're getting more and more members turning up, uh, which I guess reflects the busy nature of the club uh, and uh, and that's a slightly different angle that we've had to deal with that we're not expecting. Uh, it's not necessary to play golf, but it's more to use the restaurants uh, and bring their families. And of course, we want to encourage that, um, you know, and, and that we have to deal with. Mm, yeah. Now, you mentioned families there, and I know a lot of clubs in, in you know, out in the, the British Isles are really kind of golf centric clubs and so uh, you've done some things really to make it a haven for the family what sort of things have you done over there bill yeah okay well you know the decision to join is made in the family these days if it's one hundred and thirty-five thousand pounds you know it's not like honey i've just blown one hundred and thirty-five thousand from our accountant uh i'm afraid the old trip to mauritius is off the agenda um (laughs) so you know these these decisions are, are are made in the household and uh um, you know that that's that sounds obvious, uh, but it's true. You know we have a spa, uh, we have country pursuits. You know clay pigeon shooting. We're surrounded by probably one famous loch in the world, a loch Lomond. So there's boating activity as well. Um, and you know we can again if there's families coming and they want to do anything that they feel is appropriate, such as a treasure hunt or football in the or tennis in the wall garden, within reason we can do it. Um, and we can organize a planned program. And we do have planned programs for families four times a year. So families can turn up then uh, if they want to get full uses. And we put on a lot, a lot of games, archery and so on and so forth. So we, we try to appeal to that market. Um, and other than that, it's your classic golf club. Um, but, you know, we have a relaxed style about us. Getting through the gates is the problem. But once you're through, it's pretty relaxed. And we encourage families to come and, and use the club. It is it is a family membership only. Yeah. Uh, so 600 guys, 600 girls, and then kids from 23 years of age and under, uh, you know, it's all involved. Those kids, they're going to be members. They're going to take over yeah. maybe the membership. And that name will live on or they'll get married or they get have their celebration at the club, you know, it's an extension of of the club, and it's that connection that I talked about and alluded to, and I know that you're keen on as well to, to promote. But that is that connection with the family, connection with the name, connection with the club. Good times were had. I grew up as a member there. I want to continue. Those are the things. That's why family membership is so important. Mm, yeah, and often, often the answer. Right. Yep. You're absolutely right. Your clubhouse is a is a unique in that it's it's an 18th century manor. So yeah. so what's that like in terms of you know preservation and and upkeep and maintenance and and you know that that that's a unique situation. 
Yeah, well, look, the previous owner did a fantastic job, Lyle Anderson. I mean, he it was dilapidated, you know. Um, it was originally a chap called David Brench, uh, and and David had the vision, and but Lyle had the international vision. He had the grandiose uh, plans, and he really pulled it off that way. And um, he the, the, he restored Ross Dew House, which is what you're talking about to close to its original um, with a, a sort of a modern Scottish twist to it uh, and, and for us because we're we've got you know close on a million pounds to reinvest we're not for profit uh, we put it back in so the upkeep we we make sure that everything is kept up to date but it was Lyle has to take full credit for um, you know his vision and, and how he replenished everything and built the lodges around the lock as well genius really uh, and uh, you know the the, the members um, sure you know can be thankful for you know his interpretation of how he saw Loch Lomond Golf Club we've benefited from that but however he Lyle would also be pleased that we are upkeeping everything uh, because we are generating cash yeah well I gotta imagine there's some some maybe infrastructure that's not quite up to modern standards and things like that. So it's got to present some unique challenges too, right? Yeah, it does. We, we have, um, you know, we've, we've two health and safety visits a year, one on fire and, you know, one on general health and safety. And they're pretty impressed. A few more signs. Uh, we've just had an audit actually, and we've done well, but there's, there's a few things to do, which you get with an old house, um, but it's been brought up to speed the modern day standards. So uh, you know we, we, we don't the challenges are less than what you think. Uh, it does such a great job of um, rebuilding um, that that it's left us with a few problems, a few issues we've had to reinvest in kitchens. Uh, if we do have a group, a large group, sometimes, you know, the locker room, which is legendary here at Loch Lomond, uh, can can get busy. It's not maybe designed for a busy nature golf club course. Um, so those are more of the challenges. The business plan uh, to make the club work uh, has maybe been a challenge for some of the facilities that we have on offer. But I have to say that, uh, you know, um, it's more straightforward than what you think. Got it. Okay, cool. Well, it's it's a beautiful building, and you also that spa. Uh, I recommend folks check out the Loch Lomond website to look at how the spa is. But it's it's a walled garden, uh, sure. and it just just looks gorgeous. It looks very very yeah. comforting. Yeah. You've got a, a couple of quotes on your LinkedIn profile that caught my eye, Bill, and the the one in particular was the the challenge of sustainability need not be cloaked in fear. So, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I, I think that that you've got to be strong and have a clear thought process on what you're trying to achieve, um, and you know, and and be honest. And I think that to sustain a, a, a club and success of a club, um, there's a reason why it's become a success. Um, I think you you need to evolve and you need to tweak. But I have seen clubs that have gone. 180 or 360 degrees turns uh, and I've seen managers uh, and maybe I've been in that position myself as well uh, and I've seen golf managers who get into a bunker um, and and are running scared or caught in headlights or don't want to upset people because 
you know, it's a job and it's difficult to negotiate. And, and at the end of the day, if the club feels <laughs> okay, but it's kept a section of the members happy or it's gone backwards, you know, and, and there's a fear. So sustainability. So for us at Loch Lomond, we've had three great years of growth and success. Three's not enough. Um, we need to make sure that it's here in 100 years' time. Mm. Um, we need to make sure that what's got us here, we don't forget. It might need to be tweaked, might need to be evolving, as I think all clubs should, but it doesn't need an overhaul. Uh, and I think that that by fear, I think that sometimes a club, and all clubs I think are the same, you, you can have sections of members that maybe want to use it in a different way that the current way the club is doesn't suit them yet they don't want to lose that link with the club and maybe they need to make a mature decision i would suggest that maybe it's not the right club for them i mean i i'm a member of a club and you know i've joined it for particular reasons and suits me um and uh, you know i think that debate happens at Loch lomond and i know that debate has happened in other places that i've been to uh, and i think that that sometimes uh the loud noise can come from you know maybe a section uh but is, is it for the good of the club uh and is it for the good of the future well, that's open for debate and should be debated. It's important to debate. Uh, but I think cloaked by fear, I have seen quite a few instances in the golf environment and golf game uh, with with managers, as I've said, they get scared. Mm. Yeah. They do. Right. And, you know, the, and it's tough. Uh, it's a tough job, you know. So uh, that's what I mean. Uh, can be cloaked by fear. So you, you start to get defensive. Right. And what's got us to where we are, we've been progressive and offensive, been on the offense. Mm. Can we, do, do we get back, do we become a bit more defensive? Um, there's a danger of that, sure. but hopefully not while I'm here. How do you strike that balance of uh, evolving versus staying true to the past and the, and the traditions of the club? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, you must never forget the ethos of the club is he. Um, but, you know, when I think about my father, I'm sure when we all think about our fathers and grandfathers and, and whatever, you know, sometimes uh, history gives you a black and white uh, view on how they viewed uh, life and their clubs. But actually, when you boil it down, they took risks. They took, had to make the t- take decisions that were, yeah, maybe their father wouldn't have maybe approved or mother or whatever. And it's all part of modern society. And, you know, we live our lives differently. We have, you know, younger members coming in. Golf's a problem attracting younger members. It's going to have a major problem if, you know, uh, a certain element of the membership, which could be older, same applies if it's a younger element and isolates the older mem- members, but the older members, say for this example, you can't isolate or uh, forget what's going to attract people to your club and you're holding on to principles that maybe have become redundant. And there's obviously things like uh, dress policies and stuff like that, but maybe they become redundant. And what is the ethos of the club? Is the ethos of the club uh, the clothes that you wear? 
I'm not so sure about that. I think the ethos of the club's camaraderie. And, uh, you know, the ethos of the club is uh, along the lines of uh, hail fellow well met, uh, connections, uh, embracing life, empowering. Those words, not uh, a strict standard, this is how you need to live your life. So well said, Bill. I love it. That's yeah. how I said. I think you're right on. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a, that, that, yeah. a perfect way to describe it. One last question for you before I let you go. What gives yeah. you the most gratification when you walk into Loch Lomond in your job? Yeah, I think that, see the smiles on um, staff and the good fun we've had. We've just organized cruise uh, um, trips for the staff actually it's happening at the moment so they're going out and they've got a few drinks and crisps and nuts and they're going around Loch Lomond and you know the, the smiles on their faces the members seeing them for maybe the only time you're going to see them in the year and their families and how people have grown are growing getting bigger and whatever or older uh, and the nice comments we receive that is what the buzz we get is the plaudits and people having a good time. I'm absolutely, you ask anybody that knows me really well and friends and, you know, and, and, and you know, everybody else is very close to me. They know that I, I like people to have a good time, whether it's I'm having a party in the house or whatever. I like people to have a good time. And equally, if I feel as if, you know, uh, members aren't connecting or, you know, sort of getting it, which is far and few between here, uh, then there is a sense of sadness in that because you want everybody to enjoy it. Uh, and But that's something you do have to tackle and you do have to, to, to be proactive about. But it's everybody together as a family having fun, enjoying it, walking out with a smile on their face. That's the key. That's what keeps me coming back. That's great. That's what it's all about. Yeah, we got. I always think that we got to... Um, not take our jobs too seriously. Sometimes it sounds like sure. uh, you got the right perspective there, Bill. Thank yeah. you so much. I know your time is so valuable. Yeah. Thank you for coming to join me here on private club radio, Bill. No problem. Thanks, Gabe. Thanks for having me. Well, that's a wrap here on private club radio episode 193. We're getting close to that 200 number. I'm excited. We're going to do something special for the 200th episode. Don't forget to tune in to let's play through on September 18th. I'll catch you back here next week. And until then, here's to your membership success. Private Club Radio is brought to you by Concert Golf Partners, helping to preserve and enhance private golf and country clubs. Concert Golf has the capital, expertise and private club hospitality experience to help upscale private clubs achieving long-term success and membership growth. For 25 years, Concert Golf has allowed private club members to focus on simply enjoying their club. Visit ConcertGolfPartners.com to learn more about the recapitalization process.